Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Joyful Friar podcast. I'm Father Nathan Castle, your host. Today, I'll be introducing a person I met whose story is recounted in Afterlife Interrupted, book two. Her name is Lucille, and the nickname I gave her was Calm Under Fire, because Lucille died in a wildfire. She was living in California in a neighborhood that was not near a canyon nor near an open field. So even though she was familiar with wildfires in the region, she had no reason to believe that uh, that could ever happen to her and to her home. But it did. So here's what Lucille told us. As you know, if you've watched any of these previous podcast where I introduce a character who brought a story in a dream. They These people that have been through a trauma at the time of their death find their way into what they call my line. Their afterlife helpers uh, bring them to me and to my per partners. And they, my first introduction to them is through imagery they show me in a dream. So this one came on December the 5th, 2018. I'm in a house, and I'm looking out a large rectangular window without blinds or curtains. It's just a plate of glass. I'm looking out, and I keep seeing unusual colors in the sky, yellows and oranges and browns, but it's a luminescence that's uncommon. I'm not used to seeing these colors. They're pretty and unusual. Then in the lower left of this field of vision in this pane of glass, there's dark blackness that shows up. It looked like claws or something menacing. And it seemed to grab. Then it was over. And I awoke. Well, as is my method, my practice, I write the story down as soon as I get it. It's different enough from my other dreamscapes, my regular psychobabble, that I know I'm being contacted. I call that receiving a dream, and the other kind, just my own stuff, I call having a dream. Anyway, I received this dream. I wrote it down in my dream journal. I made an appointment with one of my prayer partners, and we went into protective prayer, invoking the angels and saints to keep us protected and to help us uh, be free from all distraction. We asked for a guardian angel to clarify for us anything that was unclear that might help us. And that also acts as what I call a mic test. Uh, the person that brought this dream probably had never spoken using another human person's voice before, in this case, mine. So it helps if their guardian uh, models it for them, which uh, that guardian did. And we learned about this uh, person and what happened on in the last moments of their life. I did sense that I was in California. I've lived in California a lot, although right now I'm living in Arizona. And I was with my dear friend, Laura, who has since passed away. But uh, we had the feeling that we might be dealing with St. Rose 
or Santa Rosa. There's a guardian who presented as feminine and gentle, and we asked for her to speak. She just said, after saying hello, she said she didn't know it was coming. None of them did because they were asleep. It was a wildfire. She didn't know what she was experiencing. At first, it was curious and attractive to the eye, but very soon it was menacing. So Laura asked, well, was she engulfed in fire and smoke? And her guardian said, yes, yeah, she lived alone with pets, with animals. Uh, she was an older widowed woman in her 80s. She was awakened in the night and suddenly realized that what was causing all of these colors was a wildfire and that she was in it. So uh, the guardian did their job, which was usually to not stay on the line very long, just break the ice for us, uh, explain a few things, and then let the person they love and guard speak for themselves. So when uh, uh, the guardian moved aside, a woman emerged. She told us very quickly that her name is Lucille. Uh, she said, I went from being asleep to awake but groggy, seeing these unusual colors out my window. She said it didn't take very long to understand what was happening. It wasn't just the house on fire. It was everything on fire, the trees and the air. She particularly focused on the air being on fire. She said, I realized that I was in a wildfire, but I didn't have an impulse to run. I was in my 80s. I was in wearing slippers and a house coat. I didn't like my chances outside. Had I been younger, maybe I would have got the car keys and tried to make a run for it. But she stayed in the present moment and analyzed what she thought were her options, which were very few. The way she framed it, it was go outside or stay inside. The going outside might be to flee, but she just didn't think that was going to happen. So she had the thought that, well, sometimes on TV you see about disasters like uh, tornadoes or wildfires where the destruction skips around. Sometimes in a path of destruction, there's one house that was left standing for some reason, a shift in the wind or something of that uh, kind. So she wasn't responsible only for herself, but for her pets, her cats. She decided that the most important thing to do was gather them up to herself. She decided to sit in a chair, calm the cats, and speak to them and say, well, just wait this out. That was her decision, to just wait it out and see how this uh, plays. She later ended up saying it, it, the wildfire had its own way about it, and it didn't look like it was going to be um, how did she put it? Opposed. Anyway, that was her decision. I'm going to sit right here, comfort the cats, and see how this plays out. She then told us that I don't remember too much of what happens next because I believe I went unconscious. And then she speculated about the physics of a wildfire, and she wondered, and so do I. I've never really checked it out. Maybe someone listening to her watching this will uh, fill in that gap for us. She wondered if a wildfire can take the oxygen out of the air before 
burning things. She wondered if she went unconscious because of oxygen deprivation. She didn't remember inhaling smoke, which she would have smelled. She certainly didn't experience any of sensation of her body being burned. She made it quite clear to us that she was out of body before that could happen, or at least was unconscious and did not take part in the burning of her body. She realized that she had died, uh, but she wasn't present to her death beyond what she uh, what I've just explained. So she didn't talk a lot about her afterlife process. Some people do. She didn't talk a lot about that. She just said that I've been well taken care of. I've had a chance to think things through. Uh, as you might know, we never tell any of these stories in public without first going back sometime after this crossing occurs and asking a person, would it be okay for us to tell your story? Well, we did that with her and she very quickly complied. It's a yes or no question. So the answer could be one word. But it's almost always the case that people want to reconnect a bit, which is very natural. Uh, we only met in this unusual way, but still we have a bit of relationship and we haven't talked to each other in a while. And we're asking a follow-up question and it just seems natural to kind of uh, be brought up to date on what's happened since the last time we spoke, which is what she did. She uh, explained to us that she understands quite clearly that she died in a wildfire. Uh, it saddened her a bit because she said, well, I'd had some pretty things, some nice things, and it's too bad they were all destroyed. She uh, joked a little bit about, they did find a few little mementos, but they were all singed. What what survivor, what loved one of mine would want to have a memento <laughs> of that kind of, uh, from someone who died in a fire? She uh, told us that she expected that she would have died sooner than later anyway because of her advanced age. She presumed that she would probably die of a cancer or a heart problem, which is the way so many people eventually die. She hoped that she would go peacefully in her sleep. And then she told us that she went peacefully in a wildfire. Who would have thought that? Hmm. Well, part of the reason that she was willing to have her story shared at all and then, uh, you know, agree to allowing us to put it in a book, she said, I'm sure I won't be the, I wasn't the first and won't be the last person to die in a wildfire. And if I could at least share my experience that it was uh, relatively painless, maybe that would be of encouragement to someone who's grieving such a loss. So it's very kind of her. She also wanted us to know that she was no longer an old woman. One of the things that bothered her about advancing age in her case was what she called my inability to focus. She said, I gave up reading anything of, of length and only read magazine articles and uh, newspaper articles because they're short. She said, anything beyond that I would nod off and have trouble following the the uh, 
flow of information. She was delighted to say, that's no longer the case for me. I'm not an old woman anymore. And one of the things that I was most eager to get rid of or leave behind was that difficulty of uh, focus, of inattention. She said, I'm, now I'm like I was as a younger person where I had no such problem uh, focusing my thoughts. She really enjoyed that and the freedom that came with it. She didn't have an awful lot else to say beyond that. She just said, it was really very simple. Uh, I simply sat down with my cats, became unconscious, and awoke elsewhere in the company of people that were helpful. When it was time for her to move, because of the, the, the process that we facilitate, I compare my prayer partners and I to the discharge staff in a medical center, those who are near the front door that help you out, uh, coordinate your leaving, make sure that you will be well-received and well-cared for as you move along. That's really what we help do. So we, uh, she was prepared. We usually ask people, can you think of someone who died before you did, who you know loves you, who you'd be comfortable with should they come for you? She, In her case, she said, that's not really necessary. There's someone showing up already. We asked, do you recognize this person? And she says, no, I don't recognize the person, only the uniform. It was a fireman. Uh, Captain Ford, he identified himself as. And, and she said, apparently he was a compassionate man who wanted to help people who were exposed to fires. And apparently he's still interested in that work and willing to uh, do it on my behalf. So she went along with uh, Captain Ford. That's all there was to it. In a, a, a couple of future episodes of this podcast, we always do these in three parts. We're going to tell the story, which I've just done. And then in the next podcast, go into what I call a compassionate response to that story. This story has been in print for several years. And so when people learn of it, sometimes they contact me and ask a question about it. Sometimes the question is um, simply curiosity and uh, desire for information. But most of the time, that request is moving through grief. It reminds uh, people who learn of it of the death of someone they love and they're wondering what were their last moments like or something like that. So we, uh, uh, I've paid attention to that sort of thing and then tried to look at these stories in terms of in what way can they be compassionate. Compassionate means to suffer with, so someone who's suffering. So we'll do that the next time. And then after that, we'll have a, uh, a little episode called Spiritual Practice that arises from this story. Uh, so uh, I'm sure that when I get to doing that show, it'll have to do with the uh, mental and spiritual discipline practice of staying in the present moment, because don't you believe that, <laughs> that Lucille did a great job of staying in the present moment, uh, looking around quickly and examining options and then choosing the one that she thought was best. That that just to me demonstrates great freedom. Doesn't surprise me that she had is the the ease that she did of moving through 
such a an awful circumstance and then moving relatively quickly through uh, a trauma that might have been much more difficult had she had a different frame of mind. So with that, that's it for this episode of the Joyful Friar podcast. As always, you can contact me through my website, nathan-castle.com, and I'll uh, try to help where I can. But for now, God bless you and have a great day. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joyful Friar. You can visit me at nathan-castle.com. Send me a message by clicking the contact button. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can make a donation by clicking the donate button. See you next time. God bless.